Welcome back to another edition of Digital Fight Club, where myself, Francis Gordon, and the odd time, the odd guest turn up to debate the hottest topics in IT and business and everything else that we can actually think about. Today's topic is going to be, will generative AI replace developers? This is something that myself and Francis have talked about personally, privately, and probably public one stage or another. We've both been coding. I cannot claim to have the experience of 44 years as a coder, Mr. Francis Corden. Francis, welcome. I put to you that generative AI can happily replace many a coder. What's your thoughts as a practitioner expert in not only coding, but in all things technology, sir? It's a question that can be answered in about 10 seconds. No, I'm just kidding, right? (laughs) No, I'm coming to you from uh, Florida today, so I'm looking forward to this conversation. We we literally prepped this for how many minutes do we have to prep for this question? Ten seconds. <laughs> right. We've talked about doing this. We've but we haven't prepped, and I think it's going to be a lot more entertaining debate because we haven't scripted it. There is no script. Well, we don't script anything anyway. Jesus, anybody anybody listen to any of our podcasts will know it's not scripted. And stop it's revealing a, the secrets behind the curtain, Mister Gordon. I hate it. <laughs> no, I can't. Well, you know what? It's actually one of my. Um, it's either a strength or or, or a weakness. I, I hate practicing, rehearsing presentations behind stage in front of a thousand people or in front of a board meeting because I find that the interaction and this is going to lead up to the answer as well fun enough the interaction the interaction that I expect from my presentations right and you do need to rehearse some of it in case you get like I'm gonna say a boring audience but a non-interactive audience right you need to actually have that but to script it verbatim it's like everybody trips up I don't know anybody doesn't trip. I can't trip up because I don't practice I don't rehearse it's like you know and if I do trip up it's like ah look brought that slide come up too early I'll go back one slide. who cares right and that's the in informal approach that I've always had I mean I'm I wasn't uh, college educated. Maybe that's my background. So anyway, coming to you from Florida, looking forward to this chat. It's warming up a little bit. It's been freezing this last week. Your question is, will developers be replaced by Gen AI? And the answer simply is yes, they will eventually, right? So the question is, what's the time frame in all of that and the why? So if I give you the first step through that, then, um, and, and the why it's not going to be instantaneous. Um, I think the first problem we've got is understanding what a developer does okay so there are i always think of them you know there's there's terms i'm not particularly fans of but the, you know the citizen developer the professional developer the hard code developer the it developer i mean it's 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 very much what the, your question's coming from i think which is enterprise applications the development of enterprise applications will they be built in the future by generative ai i think the answer is they can be um, they can be built by a large to, to a large extent by gen ai today but the underlying infrastructure for doing that for getting those things that you want built built hasn't been standardized right so i could write you a piece of code that validates uh, an insurance claim it would probably be i don't know anywhere from half a million to 5 million lines of code right because it's an insurance claim from potentially you know, 10,000 hospitals, 50,000 different permutations of, a, of, a, of an insurance uh, a plan that you might be on, preconditions, blah, 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 right? So exponentially, when you talk about can Gen AI replace a developer? No, not really. But if you break down, which is where I think the industry needs to go first, and it's getting there, but slower than I would have ever hoped, all 
business processes into the elements that make up, for instance, a business rule or a condition or um, uh, a, a, a validation of a, of a field or storage or, you know, data resilience, transaction resilience, transaction rollback, all, all the things, hundreds of those things, right? If you start breaking them down and standardizing them, then you can have Gen AI create you a large part of the application because it can consume those predefined standards, right? Now, I'm willing to bet there are probably 10,000 different programs out there across the enterprise group that do driving license validations. Why? How many permutations could there be to validate a driving license? It doesn't contain that much data, right? So why can't somebody, why can't, why shouldn't somebody write a standard function that can be consumed by all developers slash programmers so that you don't have all these variations for things that don't matter? And so when you- The world might not exist then, Francis, but let me, let me draw back. Say that again. Sorry, I missed what you said there, Kieran, my others I have. You might ruin half the jobs in the world if you started asking logical questions like that as to why we don't do it once well, a year. On. You, no, the leading question is, are we going to destroy the careers of developers with Gen AI? So we have to stay on theme. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm staying on theme here because a couple of things here, because ultimately you could write that common layer of code. But let's say Gen AI could write the common layer of code because it looks at an outcome and works back from that. But you've said two things so far. I said, will Gen AI replace developers? And you went, yes. And then you've said no. But then you it sounded like you were being no, more nuanced in your answer. And I mean that in a nice way, in that there's if you work out what is a developer and you look at the constituent parts of the process that's involved in developing, then it goes back to the old automation debate about the, the mundane and whatever. I never subscribed that. I, I go back to, can you automate the routine? then generative AI slash AI can presumably, I'm asking you, automate, digitize, create code and do a whole set of developer tasks. Well, so automation, I think, is predominantly driven by programmers versus developers, right? So developers are somebody that's building inherently the applications and the infrastructure and the hard stuff, right? The stuff that is really, really, there's still for many years to come, there's going to be IP around development. Programming, though, you know, where you you can create, the, I don't think, you know, automation for me is always considering let's automate as is, something as is. I don't think Gen AI Gen AI can automate things as is stuff to a point, right? But we've missed the boat for the last 20 years. We've had the capability, and certainly for the last five, to start unraveling these, um, these monolithic applications that have been built with all this nested code just to do, say, the driving license. And it's not like I said there were 10,000 copies of the driving license validation and that all sits neatly in, in, in 10,000 applications. No, it's it's bits of code, logic, in SQL, you know, it, in the UI. It's it's everywhere. And so it's just a nightmare. So you keep automating on top of that and you're just, you're just putting more cracks in the glass waiting for the whole windshield to shatter, right? I'm saying if we step back and start allowing programmers to define the standards and define what these, what are they, actions, tasks, subtasks, subprocesses, I don't know what they are. It's only then when an enterprise wants uniqueness 
that your developers and programmers can start working together. So I want a unique way that's differentiating the processes and insurance claim standards be damned because I believe that's my secret source. I don't think that's really necessary. I think it's, it's a red herring, right? But if we have those standards for the underlying capabilities inside an enterprise application, that all you need Gen AI to do is to know that that exists. You know, you, it needs to know what its inputs and outputs are, and it needs to know whether it can be assimilated, maybe with some additional logic around it, into the applications that you can. You, I'm not going to use the word compile. You start constructing and building applications based upon things that have already been built. And for 40, 50 years in the computer world, we've been promised reuse. It doesn't exist. It's it's a myth. We need to go back to thinking and unthinking how we programmed applications and, and how develop applications have been developed. Unthink it. You, you would not, you know, would you write a new compiler today or a new language, a computer language? No, but we've had, what, I don't know, 20 different computer languages, 50 computer languages over the last 50 years. You wouldn't have a new one today, or at least there should be one, and it should be the one everybody uses, which is the standard. So if, if I just bring it back to uh, nuance so that I'm understanding this correctly, to some degree, Gen AI is based on the past. In other words, you feed it a large quantity or corpus of data, and it produces what you've got. And to some degree, it could be creative and it could put, put new output in place. But do we not need humans to create new ingenious things? You know, because take Go. Go is an interesting computer program developed by DeepMind, or, or sorry, Go is an actual uh, game. DeepMind created an application that could uh, compete against the world champion and won. And what they didn't do was go back and learn and learn and learn what was happening. They taught it the basic rules and then let it play itself till it worked out a very different way of working. So Gen AI, I suppose there's one of two, a couple of things I'm trying to play with here. One feed it a load of data of existing rules and syntax and everything else that should be able to work out programs and maybe recode them from one language to another, turn it into assembly to make it far faster than ever. But can it create or do we need a coder to create? And question number one. And the second one is why try and get it to do mess for less, to recreate all of that mess that you're describing? Why not do the deep mind goal thing? Tell it the principles of what you want to do and let it create itself. So is Gen AI creative or is the programmer creative? So I think this is when we often get hung up between productivity type tools, gaming tools, and enterprise applications. What, you know, if you look at the the, the the computer program that can play chess. It's a finite set of rules that goes on forever, right? Because it's not like there's a, no, I don't I don't know if there's been any new chess moves created in the last five years. I'm not a chess guy, right? But in business, um, and we've talked a little bit about this before, but let's go back to some base grassroots. When there was Barclays and Lloyd's or I'm assuming Bank of America and Wells Fargo's pick two, you know, whatever, bank side by side with no computing in a branch. You waited for the doors to open. You walked in, paid money and took money out, pay your mortgage payment, paid whatever, right? It was highly manual, right? How did they know that you hadn't paid twice? How did they know that the money needed to go to this account? Because there was back-end processes, batch, day-end, month-end, quarter-end, year-end, kind of all manual. What we did was we took all those manual processes, took programming languages and tried to program them to replicate the way humans did all that stuff. And so 
Was one bank better than another bank because it could do its end of day quicker or its end of quarter or whatever it was? Possibly, probably. Or was it better because it had a better branch manager that was more compassionate, that was more considerate? If you look at banking, you look at finance, you look at insurance, the predominance of what that application do, built by developer or programmer, that's not where you're going to be a better bank than someone else because you've got a better set of rules. So let's set the bar for what the common things need to be to go into an enterprise app. Again, I'm not talking about gaming or those kind of things. Hardcore developers, I can program. I mean, I can program enterprise applications. I can program a game to save my life, right? I mean, I probably could, but it wouldn't be very good. And so, yes, you could use AI to give it a set of rules and it could generate whatever it needs to do and even invent new games. But for enterprise applications, if we start describing what we want the process to be, then I believe you could probably train AI because we're already doing it in all of the languages and let it go and create the code that can be compiled or run natively on whatever platform that you so desired. But what if you needed to make a twist to it? Is AI ready to amend that code? Or do you send a developer in to go and understand that code and make the change in the right place? Is it one place or is it 50,000 places, right? So again, you've got to go back to this common denominator of having standards and having one copy of the truth. But we're tempted not to do that because I don't think AI is ready to go and edit your code. Maybe it is. And will it get there? Probably will. But if we unthink code, if we if we train a new system, a new game, if you like, what's the new game in town to start defining business logic and business rules? I want to see the death of, of code for enterprise applications to a large degree. It doesn't need to be code. It needed to be code when we needed to compile it and have it run really fast. But you could have something that's really poorly written in code or in some interpretive language, and it could be the worst thing ever written, and it still be more than fast enough for most users, right? So I want the business to go back and think about what business it's in. If it's in insurance, is it into actually satisfying the client or does it want to be in IT with a bunch of developers to go and build a better program that does a claim or, 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 or a booking for a travel than another travel agent or another claims engine? I don't think the future is going to be I have a better IT, my software, my applications, my programs are better than yours. And so if we get agreement or disagreement on that point, Gen AI is now going to start to shine. Um. I wouldn't disagree with you. I wouldn't disagree with you the best of times. It's just easy. Yeah, it's my yeah. I'm with the fight club. Go on, this now. Uh, of course. No, I would if I, if I thought it. it, it my, my only one question is, if we let Gen AI do that, current state of generative AI at the moment, I'm sure from, people are familiar with hallucinations. What hallucinations means for those who aren't is that it creates, based on its corpus of data, plausible answers. So some classic examples, I was doing a research article the other day and said, can you find me authoritative sources? For this particular example of where Gen AI worked really well, and it gave me six, eight examples because that's what I asked for. And then I went looking for them, including clicking on the sources that it had suggested were there, and they never existed. It was 403, false, you name it. Oh, my goodness. So hallucinations are plausible but not real. Uh, we worry about AI ethics, responsible AI. In other words, there's bias built into the AI. So for varieties of reasons, whoever programmed it, built it, whatever you want to call it, put their own probably unintentional bias in. So the classic example of a couple of years ago is software developers developed a HR application that decided what a great software engineer looked like. It happened to be uh, gentlemen who were in the same area who'd come up together, looked the same, talked the same, did the same degree, and they went, well, we're successful. Let's put in our characteristics. And unintentional bias happened that suddenly 
you know, minorities, female, all sorts of non-typical were excluded. If we allow Gen AI loose, Francis, in other words, off you go Gen AI and do it, and we just believe what it says, and people may not be familiar with this, and I know you and I are going to talk about it, but you end up with another horizon scandal in the UK where the system doesn't work. But if we've removed all of the programmers, then nobody can truly say whether the code is right or wrong, bias, not bias, or whatever else. How would we counteract for that? Is that that we need super programmers who do understand the black box, or do we need other ways of coping when generative AI goes and does this all by itself and we don't have coders ever again or programmers? Okay, there's a lot of questions in there. There Um, I'm going to take us back because I have to simplify it first because I think you can answer that easily, much more easily, if we take us back again, right? So think of The Matrix, okay, an advanced futuristic movie. But what is the theme of The Matrix? Everything is built on a set of rules. A set of rules first. What are the rules? Because what happens is we try to program things before we've defined the rules. We often program the rules as we go because somebody said, oh, here's an exception. You throw the exception in, you end up with customizing or configuring a legacy application. It becomes even more legacy. It becomes strangulation and it becomes hell on earth. No programmer really likes to support someone else's code. Right. And even if AI generates the code, I'm still I think your point is valid. It's still going to be a black hole. So if we first design design the world's library of a set of rules that says how business is conducted, no argument about how we should define certain validation points, certain ways a claim should be paid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then you can use AI to construct the applications you want. Then you can use AI to help you with the variations because of you, you want differentiation, or then you use the business and the programmers working together to set your differences and your variations where you want them to be. But what we have today is we have a set of programmers and business and developers that build applications on an unknown set of rules. I'm always going to say guesswork because you can't, you can't even document. And, and, and it just becomes a myriad of technology. And then we're going to, and then people are advocating, well, let's just throw AI. AI can understand our code. I'll tell you what, it's a long time before AI will be able to figure out someone else's code unless it's really neat, really clean, and it's not connected to 20 other systems that the AI hasn't been uh, uh, introduced to yet. So this application might have a 1,000 or 100,000 API calls it makes a day. Well, how do you train the AI that it only can know what rules processed on what condition if it's actually executed? Well, then you can talk about process mining helping in that model. That's a great thing to, to look at, yes. But what we need to do is to start thinking about the future. The future is let's unthink how we program. Let's rethink how we're going to build applications and not try to differentiate one company with its peer by how good it is at IT. Those days are long gone now. And when people wake up, the C-suite, the board, and the executives wake up to the fact that applications need a new era not just try to go straight into AI without thinking about that first. And so the answer will be yes, AI will generate future applications, and but it won't necessarily be replacing programmers because we'll still need the programmers for the differentiation and for the other uniquenesses we want, i.e. why the branch manager at one bank is why he has more customers than the, the, the bank next door. This might be why your insurance claim insurance company is better than another insurance company is because at the right time you pick programmers to create that differentiation for you. 
So let me summarize and then we'll, we'll close out. Uh, I give you my opinion as well, and I really enjoyed that conversation. So if we do reinvent business applications, then yes, generative AI can go and do a lot. And we may need just someone checking, you know, ethics will always come in, responsible AI. And I don't know if I truly will ever trust the, the black box because even the scientists admitted themselves when they're developing it, they're not sure. In the meantime, until we get to that, you know, future state, which I, again, I fully endorse, I'm quite excited about AI's ability or growing abilities is probably a better phrase to assist developers. You know, so when I look at some of the code whisper and other applications that are available that can program in 13 languages and document and assuming they can do it, Francis, build in ethics, build in security by default as code is done, identify before you put into production whether your code is going to break things or not, then I think we've got a support tool that allows us potentially to do more if it turns out really great. But if we reinvent how we do things, not mess for less, or as you say, make it up as you go ahead, then I think we're into a new paradigm and that's where things would truly get exciting and truly interesting. And I, you look at technology from two points of view, you know, automation is gonna kill everything. AI is gonna kill everything. I'm more in the game world, where I think if we implement great technology with great people, we, we increase the size of the pie to allow more people to benefit. So yep. I think- I, No, I, 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 I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, so I think programmers will be around for a period of time. I don't doubt it. And that period of time will change when we reinvent what it means to build business applications, as you're saying. Look, we still pay COBOL programmers a lot of money to support COBOL applications, right? So that, that factually, that's true. It's not a black and white answer. I do think whole everybody agrees the AI conundrum of trust and verify and, and what happens if it's a black box. I think AI can help us create the very thing I'm talking about. I think AI can actually instigate the very opposite of the black box, where everything is audited and auditable. The fact is, if you rely on a programmer to go in and put a quick fix and it's not audited, which I think is a large portion of what went on with the whole Horizon Fujitsu post office fiasco, which I know we're going to talk about on another, on another time. But the very fact that someone somehow could go in and change a piece of data in a data set or a file or, or go in and log in as someone else just thinks of if it's not incompetence it's fraudulent right i mean they go that's all going through parliament whatever now in the uk but our ai can help us as you said assist to make sure we don't make those mistakes and everything has to be auditable and if it therefore it will make mistakes but if you can go back and audit and, and, and look at that transparency layer and say, why did it make this decision? Okay, we, humans make mistakes all the time. God, if I was to go through right now some of the things I'm working on with some of the vendors, the, the, the uh, let's say insurance companies and banks that I'm working with, they keep making these silly mistakes. And I'm trying to help them, not just by saying, oh, you shouldn't make these mistakes, but saying, where's the mistake coming from? And there isn't an interest by some of these organizations to even find it. And I think that is the biggest problem. We need to go back to think about we have to show that humans can build the trust and the, no, no more black boxes, the audit trail, the transparency into it, make it really, really clear. And then we will start to trust AI because we're trusting how the humans are putting AI into their systems. But it can't just be a carte blanche, just go a, a, let AI build this. I totally agree. And the backbone to my message about the way we build the future of software applications, I think, lends itself to us being able to do that much more. 
Francis, thank you for today's Digital Fight Club. Folks, as ever, we'll publish this on multiple platforms. Please let us know what you think. This is a debate that we're starting, but the debate shouldn't end. Gloves on, everybody. Boxing gloves on. Come to the fight. Boxing gloves on. And see you next time where we'll talk about the horizon that's going through the UK at the moment. Not understanding things and and potentially, have to be careful, legal liability here, potentially jumping in to manipulate things cause lots of problems for lots of people. Thank you, Francis. Thank you. Take care, all.